Okay, so yesterday we um, continued in this theme of the discourse, which is about the paradoxical elements in the sukkah. On the one hand, the um, sukkah is meant to be a place which is permanent, you're supposed to be there permanently. On the other hand, the sukkah itself is temporary. And we said that, that there's a similar uh, instruction that Shem gives us in our lives. He, he makes us in a um, be in an environment of constant change, and yet Hashem wants us to be in this environment of change, to make a permanent home for Hashem, and to be steadfast in our commitment to this. And so too with mitzvahs, the mitzvahs are, on the one hand, they're infinite. On the other hand, every mitzvah has a um, precise way that it's done. Um, and then we connected this to the Gemara's words that all the Jewish people are able to be in one sukkah, the unity that there is in sukkahs. How, uh, the, despite the fact that there are differences between one Jew and another, and that represented by the seven days of sukkahs, which are similar to the seven candles of the Manera, Yet on Sukkot there is this there's this unity that is created by the Sukkah, and uh, I mentioned the parenthetical point, which shouldn't be anything anything but parenthetical in our lives, which is that um, the simcha we have on Sukkot is something that brings us simcha in all the mitzvahs we do throughout the year, and all the physical blessings of abundance that we or that we ask for. They're all connected to the simcha of sukkahs. By having simcha in Hashem's mitzvahs, that causes Hashem to give you simcha in your um, in your personal life as well. Um, and uh, so, so the the theme again is how there is the sukkah creates this unity and creates uh, the simcha. And specifically, there quotes a pasuk which says the Jewish people should rejoice in their makers. And God should rejoice in His creations, and the, that verse indicates two things. On the one hand, we're talking about God's joy in us, which is a very intimate, personal thing, and we're talking about our joy in God, which is also intimate, personal thing. And yet, the emphasis is in that verse is that there's there are creators. Now, of course, there's only one Creator, but the point of why the Torah describes God in the plural is to say that even in a place of plurality and fragmentation, a Jew creates this home for Hashem, and that is the greatest joy that there is, and that joy is supposed to not just be personal, it's supposed to trickle into the people around us in an environment so that our simcha causes simcha to those around us. And specifically, where does the simcha happen? The simcha happens in a place of fragmentation, a place of division. That's where the simcha is created in a place where it seems like there's more than one, one creator, in that place a, a Jew causes this, this great joy in his uh, service of Hashem and experiences the pleasure and the joy of Hashem, that Hashem has such pleasure and joy in what he's doing, where does he have that pleasure, where does he have that joy? In the place of fragmentation, in a place where it looks like there's more than one force. Okay, so continuing on this theme, uh, we... Now continuing is Ches, whatever talks about the mitzvah of Lulv and Esrik. What we said so far in Ches, we did the first paragraph before page 14, was that the mitzvah begins on day one. Day one is significant because day one is connected to 
the sphere of Kesser, the inner dimension of Kesser, and the parallel to, of Kesser in our lives is the level of Yechidah. So the mitzvah of Luv and Esek, as we shall see, is also about revealing this truth that exists within ourselves uh, into the world. I'm going to paraphrase from the Hebrew, page 14. Everything that we learn about in the Torah has to be drawn down into the world in a way that it's open and clear. Because the mission of every single Jew is to make a home for Hashem in the lowest realm. And the way we make this, well, the way we accomplish this is by taking things from this physical world and making from them a holy thing, any something which is connected to a mitzvah. Until the, that's how we fulfill this. That's our mission. Our mission is to take things of this physical world and turn them into something holy and something of a mitzvah. And the ultimate perfection of doing this is when Hashem gives us something which is mundane or even something which is lower than just mundane and a Jew transforms something which is considered an Avera done on purpose, literally an Avera, and how much more so he takes things which are just mundane and he turns them into something which is Torah and mitzvahs. So, so too is this regarding the holiday of Sukkot. We have to draw this down and reveal this in the world by taking things in the world itself which are obvious that they have a connection that you could see in them the idea of unity. Just like this is true within every Jew himself. And anyone who looks and observes the Jewish people can see that they are this, the blessed seed of God as the Torah says, that all the nations will see that the name of God is upon you. And, they will, and they will, they're so aware of this, the Torah says, that they will fear you. So just like this is true for the way the, the world observes the Jewish people, so too does Hashem command us to take from the various species of this world, which things should we take from this world? Those matters in which you could see openly the idea of unity. So Hashem doesn't just want us to experience this, this connection to Hashem in a way that people could see the Jewish people have unity. Hashem wants us to, to reveal this unity, this, this connection to Hashem in the world by taking on this holiday the four species that each of them, as we shall see, express unity. How does each of these four species express unity? There's a couple of points there mixed here which I think are unique to this discourse. I wish I could say that they that I know all the discourses and say that this is unique, but it, it, it does seem that there are some unique points here. The Reb Marash explains in his series of discourses, which began in the holiday of Pesach, and he then goes on to explain in his dis, in his series called Vakacha, also concepts of Sukkot. He explains the meaning of the Esrik. The Esrik lives in the tree throughout the year. Although throughout the year there are always a consistent changes, the six seasons, Zera, Kotzer, Kerv, Achem, Mekayetz, as the Torah describes them when God promises Noach that the seasons will always continue. There's a time to plant seeds, a time to harvest, there's time of cold, time of heat, time of winter and summer, which these changes are from one extreme to another, yet the Esrug dwells upon the tree throughout the year in a permanent way. 
Just like we said earlier about the sukkah, that although the sukkah is a temporary structure, Hashem tells us to dwell in the sukkah in a permanent way. So despite the fact that there are changes throughout the year, and on the contrary, it's not only that the esrug is able to withstand all the changes throughout the year, but the esrug is growing because of those changes. That means that it, the various changes that the esrug endures throughout the year actually contribute to the growth of the esrug. It grows from those changes. Those changes contribute to the esrug. And it appears, Ebbe says, that its growth is for three years, as Rashi says. It takes three years for the esrug to grow. That means that in three years, it's completely grown, so that comes out. It, 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 that there are three times that the esrug experiences all of the different climates that, that change throughout the year. As the example the Torah says is the change of, or the Ramrashes, of cold and hot. This means this. How is Esk able to do this? When you are an entity unto yourself, when you have your own sense of self, so every single, every single thing that exists has its limitations and its parameters. So it's understood that if you're able to handle cold, not able to handle hot, and the opposite. If you're able to handle hot, you can handle cold, and so to all other changes throughout the year. And since the Esrug does survive throughout the year, and more, that it dwells permanently throughout the year, and not only does it dwell permanently and it's not affected by the changes, but more, it grows from those changes. So you see that the Esrug has in it this idea of total bittle, the idea of total um, abnegation of self. It's the opposite of division. And because the Esrug has a sense of bittle, that's why it's able to... If the Esrug would be a certain kind of thing, then it only does one kind of thing. But because the Esrug is totally bottle, because it has in it this sense of bittle, therefore it's able to... Um, to uh, um, handle all of these changes. And not only is it not affected by the changes, but from the changes themselves it grows to become this beautiful fruit. So that's how we see the idea of unity in the Esrik. The same is also in regards to the Lulav, which the Torah mentions after the Esrik, that, that the Talmud says, that the Torah describes the Esrik, the Lulav, with the word Kapois, that means that although in other kinds of vegetation, there are leaves that and branches that separate from each other. But on the Lulav, the two leaves on both sides of the spine of the lulav are connected to each other. So although every leaf is divided in two, yet the two parts of each leaf, the two parts of each leaf are, are connected. So, and not only are the two, two leaves of each, not only are the, the two parts of each leaf connected to each other, but more, all of the leaves of the lulav are connected with the spine of the lulav. And so, too, we see the concept of unity in regards to the Hadassim. The Torah describes the Hadassim with the word Avis, which means like a thick uh, chain. And the reason why it's given that name is because in the, in the myrtle, the myrtle covers the entire uh, stem that, the, where the leaves come from. And the Torah says that there ha- in order for the, for the myrtle to be kosher, you have to have three protruding leaves from each part of the stem. So on the one hand, there are three protruding leaves. 
which means that we're talking about a separation, we're talking about a division, we're talking about something which is divided in three. And yet, despite all this differentiation and separation, they, bec- they all emerge from one place in the stem. And, and to the extent that all of the leaves together become this one hadas, this one, this one entity of this thick, uh, uh, I don't know what the word is, the thick, there's a lot of leaves together. What is that called? Uh, all right. Anyway, so we see the concept of unity in the hadas, how all the leaves come together, although there's a concept of separation, division, there's three different kinds of leaves, which, which represent three different kinds of things, yet they all have to emerge from each place in the stem, together. And so, to regarding the willows, we also see constant in the willows as well. The Torah says that all the willows grow in bunches, although each we don't see in the willow itself a concept of unity, but the willows grow together. So in addition to the fact that each of the, these four species emphasizes the idea of unity individually, as Rebbe explains, but then after we have this concept of unity within the Esther, within the Lulav, within the Hadas, within the Arava, individually, then a Jew comes, and he takes these four species, and he, and he wraps together the first three species, and then he adds the Esther to them, and he makes out of all four species one unique and solitary mitzvah, it's similar to what we pray for on Shoshan Yom Kippur, that we should all be united to do together the will of your, uh, the will of our Father in Heaven with a complete heart. So, so that's what we do with the Luv and the Esrim and the Asim and the Aravis. We join them all together for one solitary mitzvah. And this is also connected to the Jewish people, as the Medrash says, that the four species correspond to the four kinds of Jews from the category of Jew who has a good fragrance and a good taste, to the opposite extreme, and then the, and the categories in between, that in each of them individually, there's idea of unity, just like we said by the four species. I guess what was referring to is that um, some people gravitate to certain kinds of people, so that the Esther kind of Jews experience unity with other Esther and love them experience unity with other love them. Torah scholars like to get along, and so too there is a, uh, in Europe there were the, the grave digger shuls, and there were every profession had their own shul. So, besides the fact that in each each of these species, there's a concept of unity in each kind of Jew. There is there's unity within within each each class. Besides this, the essence of every single Jew is, as the Torah says, "You shall love the Lord your God." And the essence of every Jew is, as we say in Shema, "Hear, O Israel, Hashem is our Lord. Hashem is one," and so. And, and that's what a Jew is. And this is true not only in heaven, but this is something that comes down into the natural reality of every Jew. As we said earlier, that every single Jew wants to do the will of God. And this is true even the way a Jew joins one of those four categories. Which, in other words, even the way I am as a human being in this world, and I have my certain character and, and my tendencies and things I do and things I don't do, even the way I'm here... I am Shema Yisrael, Hashem Okein Hashem Echad. I am someone who the Torah says about me, Hashem is the Lord, Hashem is, Hashem is our God, Hashem is one, that's who I am. I am someone who the Torah says about me, you shall love the Lord your God. So that means that the four species of Lulav, Nesra, Kadasim, Naravis, as they are individually within each Jew, within all the Jewish people, correspond to the four letters of God's name. Just like we said earlier, 
the seven days of Sukkot are seven individual days, so too there are four individual kinds of Jews. And yet, despite the fact that there are different four different kinds of Jews which, which correspond to the four letters of God's name, yet all of them are joined together as one, which is, emphasizes even more the unity of the Jewish people amongst themselves. So although, although every single person has his own path um, as, as a member of one of the twelve tribes, as a member of one of the seven branches of the Nera, as a member of one of the four kinds of Jews, despite this, we all join together as one, in one bundle, which is similar to the name of Yudke Vavke, that Yudke Vavke, although it has four letters, but it's specifically when the four letters are there together that we have the name of God the way it needs to be. And when you have the four letters together, not only do you have the name of God, but you have the name of God as he's called the Shem Yuchad. There are various names of Hashem, but the name Yudke Vavke is called the, the unique name of God. It's a name which is associated with God's essence. So what brings us to the level of essence, it is specifically the division of the four letters of God's name. So to, in other words, there is the way Hashem expresses himself, contracts himself to the level of Echa, which is a lower level of expression of God's unity. But what brings us to the higher level of God's unity is specifically the four letters of God's name. And so to, in regards to our connection to each other, a specific connection to each other that brings us to this higher level of unity to, that connects us to God's essence. And therefore, after the holiday of Sukkot, which continues for seven days, we come to the eighth day, the Shemini Atzeres, and Simchas Torah, which on this holiday, we have a revelation of the unity of that was hidden before. On Rosh Hashanah, as we said earlier, that the, the Gemara says, mm-hmm. blow shofar in the month. Blow shofar, the Gemara says, in the holiday where the moon is, where the month, where the moon is hidden. And this will, will be revealed on the time of our holiday. So the unity that we experience with Hashem, which was hidden in Rosh Hashanah, is revealed. What happens on Rosh Hashanah? Rosh Hashanah, we crown God as our king. How do we crown God as our king? By being devoted and being bottled and nullified to him. The one king. The simple unity of Hashem. As Hashem's unity is in a simple way. In a, in, in a simplistic way. And this unity is drawn down when every single Jew continues on in the Yaakov HaLochodarche. And every Jew goes, as the Torah says, after, as our custom is, after Simchas Torah and Shabbos Bereshis, we announce and Jacob went on his journey. That means that we're supposed to take this simple devotion we have to Hashem Rosh Hashanah, and that's supposed to that's supposed to permeate our each of us going down our journey in life to fulfill the mission of that king. So we accept that Hashem is our king Rosh Hashanah. There was a very personal, intimate moment there, and that's revealed on Simchas Torah and Shmini Atzeres. And it continues on after the holiday is over when Jacob goes on his journey to do the mission of the king. And then there is a division amongst us that where there are four different categories of Jews, that there are seven days, that there are 12 tribes, there are 70 souls, until that there are 600,000 general <coughs> souls and that each of these 600,000 souls also has within it another 600,000 souls within. So there, in other words, there are very, there, there are so many different ways that 
we are uh, classified, we're classified as, as seven, four categories, as seven branches of the Nora, as 70 souls going to Egypt, as 600,000 generic souls, general mother souls, within each soul there are 600,000 other souls. So even when we go down to the nitty-gritty of each individual guy with his nudnikite and his shlomazaldikite, whatever, each person, even there, a person takes with him his coronation of the king, and even over there, it shines openly, this idea that we experience in the sukkah. As, we, as Baal Shem Tov says, that while you're in the sukkah, you experience the future of, the future revelation of your own self, the deepest part of your neshama. And that part of the neshama, which was, um, which will be revealed, Mashiach will come, that part of the neshama is settled, it's internalized. We are able to identify and connect with that in, through our service of Hashem and Sukkot. And that continues on with us when we go on our journey and after Simchas Torah, everyone on their way, we still experience and take that part of that, part, that with us. And this is the meaning of taking the seven days of Sukkot. Like we're supposed to take old Yom Yom Tevim, we're supposed to take every holiday for the whole year. This is the meaning of taking Sukkot for the whole year. This begins with the four days that are preparation for Sukkot. The Torah says that the preparation for something is similar to the thing itself. So now that the Rebbe said this spimer before the holiday of Sukkot, now that we are in the night which is literally preceding the holiday of Sukkot, although the foundation and the source and the root of serving God is a more of a general theme, which means our the source and root and foundation of our service of Hashem is our Kabbalah Asel, is our acceptance of God's God's unit of God's uh, sovereignty. I just saw Rebbe writes Rebbe writes that when a person accepts, it's possible when a person accepts upon themselves God, God's unity for them to enter a new world. When you have that the idea of God's I'm sorry God's sovereignty, when accept upon yourself Hashem is your king, you enter a different place. So that's the foundation. That's the beginning of serving Hashem. The, this acceptance of God's sovereignty. So although that's a very generic thing, but that is meant to be revealed in a personal level, in a specific way, in how you're serving Hashem today. As the Torah says, I was created to serve my master, so I am my way of serving Hashem, and my individualistic way that I serve Hashem in a very specific way has to, I have to, have to, it has to be seen in that this generic theme of I'm a servant of God, that I accept God as my king. And so too is this true regarding to taking from the holiday of Sukkot, that we have to take specific things from this holiday. So we're supposed to crown Hashem as our king, and crowning Hashem as our king means that we're supposed to feel the fear of the king, but together with this we have to have the great joy about being with the king. As the Torah says, with the light of the king's face we are alive. So together with the sovereignty reverence thing, we have to have a tremendous joy about being in the faith, in the presence of the king. As the Torah says, in the light of the king's face is life, and there's joy and gladness in God's place. So this continues on throughout the seven days of Sukkot, which is called the time of our joy, the time of our Simcha, and this, and how much more so, is this true during Simcha's Beis Sheshe'eva. And this continues on into the holiday of, one second, 
As the Torah says that whoever did not see the joy of Simchas Pesach Sheva never saw joy in his life. How in this continues on also in the joy of Simchas Simchas And this continues on that the whole year becomes a year of joy. Joy in our Torah, joy in our mitzvahs, until the greatest joy where Jews rejoice in their Creator. And God rejoices in Jewish people that this affects whatever they do. Just like the Torah says about Adam, that Adam gathered all creation together to bow down before Hashem, and he asked him to do this. And they did this, so too, although there's been so much time in between. Here's that. There's been so much time in between. And there's been so many concealments of godliness in between. And there's so many different ways that Hashem has challenged people individually, the Rebbe says. There's so many ways Hashem has hidden, hid himself. In other words, going for Shoshana, until the Axis and Chastera, there's been so many challenges in between. And there's so many ways Hashem has given us so many alibis and excuses not to do what we're supposed to do. And yet, they, the Jewish people, within all this, they accomplished that there should be tailless parrots, Yedel Chaim parrots. They accomplished should be tailless parrots. That means they were able to break through the limitations of the world and make the world to be complete. And not only that it should be complete, but more that Hashem should send to us Mashiach, who is called the Pirates, the one who breaks down the, the, whole, the whole idea of Gullus, and we, act, and we act in, in a comfortable way, with an upright hand, upright yadrama, with, 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 with pride in all matters of Torah mitzvahs. And automatically, this, our pride here at Abzev, our pride in our Torah mitzvahs affects that we should also be able to be proud and happy about our physical things, our children and our health and our pranasar. And together with Mashiach Tzakeinu, with our young and with our old, with our sons and our daughters, together with all the perfection of our deeds throughout the time of exile in regards to Torah Mitzvahs, we go to the land where God's eyes are upon the land from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, where this is the perfection of Hashem, that He causes perfection in the land of Israel, and speedily Mamash we merit to, to have the perfection of when Hashem will widen the borders of, his, borders of Israel. And all this happens in, his, in, his, in a moment, and immediately the, we have the end of the exile, and God places an end to, to, to the darkness, and we have the beginning of the Gula. And then, then the perfect Gula, the truth, because here Dr. Chaim Peretz, it says that from Sukkot was taken the whole year in a personal, individual, down to earth way, and not, not to pay attention to all different concealments and challenges that happen in between our Shoshana acceptance of Hashem as to permeate wherever we are, whatever's, whatever's going on. Chaim Questions, comments? All right, have a good yantif. Yantif.